Go with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And man, uh, last week turned out to be way more than I thought it was going to be, anticipated it to be. And um, how many of you were here last week? And what a powerful word. Amen. How many of you listened that were not here? Nobody. Well, you're going to have to catch up. Amen. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, um, you know, it's always important to be in the word and especially, um, you know, when this is your church, this is your house. God is feeding you through this avenue. Amen. And um, any service that you're unable to be in or miss. uh, And as long as we record it properly, uh, we encourage you to go online and get it, receive it, listen to it. You need to do that. And uh, last week, uh, you're just going to have to listen to it. There's no way I could recap. Chris tried to at the very end, amen, of service on Sunday. Uh, But we are talking about purpose. And uh, we are looking at purpose through a man in the Bible who uh, is one of my favorite uh, individuals. I, I hate to call them characters because it's not a Bible story. Amen. This stuff really happened. Uh, it's not just some fairy tale. Uh, but this man, David, actually existed, actually walked this earth just like you and I. And um, there is just so much wrapped up in this. I, I went home last week and uh, I, I went right back to my iPad and just started typing away. And my wife was like, what are you doing? That's usually what you do before you preach. And I'm like, there was so much stuff that came out that I did not have uh, that I had to get it down uh, in my notes. And so uh, we are looking at uh, the subject of purpose through the lens of the life of David. And um, there's so much to cover, so much uh, that God is unveiling and revealing uh, to me that I know we're going to be in a series for a while. And um, I'm calling it Cheese and Giants. Cheese and giants. Uh, we're going to talk about how you go from serving cheese to slaying giants. And um, uh, just a few nuggets that we looked at last week. Um, we discovered, first of all, that everyone has been given purpose. Everyone on this planet has purpose. And uh, what the enemy cannot destroy, he will distract. What the enemy cannot destroy, he will distract. And I believe that that is the greatest attack of the enemy in these last days is not just the destruction of uh, purpose and the destruction of uh, human lives, but the distraction. Because what's happening is, is we have people that feel like they're chasing and going after the very thing that God has placed in front of them when they are not at all. And so we live for money and we live for relationships and we live for fame and we live for glamour and we live for the right promotion, the right job, the right house, the right location. And and that is not your purpose at all. God has a different view of purpose. God has a different idea of what a life of purpose actually looks like. And so uh, we started in chapter 17 of last week. And this is where uh, David gets the assignment to bring cheese to his brothers, ends up on a battlefield with a giant named Goliath and finds himself uh, eventually in front of this giant. And the first thing that we saw last week was that uh, God will deliver your purpose to you through the mundane, through the monotonous, through the routine. 
and, and we're going to back up today. And I asked God, I said, why did you have me start at 17 uh, when, uh, you know, uh, now we're going back to chapter 16. And he said, you don't worry about the order. You just worry about the obedience. And so I'm just going to obey. I'll leave the order up to him. Uh, but in that, you know, that's a lot of times how our lives work is we don't like the order that God does things in, right? We don't like the way that he lines it up and we have a different idea and a different vision. And uh, God is more interested in your obedience than he is your perfection. God is more interested in your, God isn't looking for perfect people. God isn't looking for people that have it all together. He's just looking for people that will listen to his voice, be sensitive to his spirit and respond when he calls and when he directs. And, uh, and so we saw initially that David, uh, who we're about to learn, gets anointed to become a king, king of Israel. Great assignment. Uh, seems like a lot of purpose, but his, his, his assignment comes through a calling to bring cheese to his brothers. It's the stuff that we disregard that God wants to use to get us on the battlefield. He would have never ended up on the battlefield if he would have said, excuse me. Excuse me, I belong in the palace. People should be bringing me cheese. People should be bringing, see, people should be serving me. And so then we saw that the pathway to purpose always goes through the gateway of service. The pathway to purpose always goes through the gateway of service. And I'm telling you today that the purpose that you will see fulfilled in your life is regulated by the level of service you will allow yourself to take part in. If we don't answer the call to service, you won't answer the call to purpose. And God isn't interested in how much you can lead until you until he knows how much you can serve. And I, I tell our leaders all the time and, and not to tell anyone that's uh, embarking on a great vision or a great calling or a great purpose. Uh, I, I always let them know, look for every opportunity to serve. Do do not ever disregard or discount an opportunity to serve somebody in some way. And um, being a pastor now for almost 10 years, uh, uh, going on seven years here in Bout Austin, uh, about three years um, in uh, St. Augustine, Florida as children's pastors. Um, the number one thing that is most valuable to me as a leader or a pastor is somebody's level of service. Somebody's ability to serve at any level. And, um, you know, I always have people that want to highlight to me uh, what they feel God has called them to do or what they think they're good at or where they believe their anointing is. And those things are great. Um, but uh, and, and a lot of reason why this uh, subject just screams out to me is because I, I almost see myself as I'm studying this out. I see how God has brought me to where I'm at today. And I don't say that boastfully or, or braggingly at all, uh, because, you know, the interesting thing about how God works is many of the significant moments in your life seem insignificant in the moment. I said many of your significant moments in life will seem insignificant in the moment. And sometimes it concerns me, it worries me, Jerry, and because I'm like, God, I could have easily have said no. And he said, I know. That's why I didn't glamorize. And that's why I didn't put it on the front page. And that's why I didn't make a big poster saying, hey, I'm calling you over here. It's just, hey, will you be willing to do that? 
I'm where I'm at today because I sat on the field of a, a, a flag football field in the grass uh, and sat next to a pastor that asked me uh, to uh, help out with a two and three year olds kids class at church. Now, I'm a Raymond Bible School graduate. I'm the ripe, ripe old age of 21 years old, and I've moved halfway across the country for what I believe is the next step of my life. You know, I'm Bible school graduate and I know I'm called to ministry. I know I want a senior pastor one day, plant my own church. Da, 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 da. I've got my ideas, got my visions, got my dreams, got my calling, got my calling. How dare someone ask me if I can help out with some two and three year old kids. And the one area that I told God I wouldn't serve in is the one area he told me I was going to be in. I could have so easily have said, honestly, the only reason I said yes was because I was engaged to be married to someone that I knew was great with kids. And I really figured about 95% of the weight would be on her and I'd carry the other five. I'd stand at the door as far away from the kids as possible and talk to the parents at pick up and drop off. And the kids would be over there and they wouldn't look at me and I wouldn't look at them. It's kind of like a spider. You know, if you don't look at it, it won't it won't bother you. Maybe it will forget you're even in the room. That's how I felt about kids. I, I, you know, my wife secretly didn't know this. I kept it to myself, but I wasn't interested in having kids. That was the one I ushered. I, I, I was uh, I helped out with the youth, played drums, uh, taught classes. I, I'll, I'll clean a toilet. Just don't get me anywhere near kids. And there was one time in um, in high school uh, at my church, we were doing a Super Bowl event and I was uh, sitting on the ground. They had the Super Bowl screen, uh, the Super Bowl on the, on the big screen there. And, and I'm sitting there and there's kids running around of, you know, other family members and stuff. It's just a big free for all. Uh, you know, I'm like, why didn't the kids go back in their closet, man? Why <laughs> put them back where they belong, you know? And so they're running all around me. I'm just trying to stay focused. And then one of them comes up and starts playing with me. And I'm like, I'm getting into it and we're having fun. And I'm, you know, peekaboo and tickling. I'm like, man, I... I'm good. I can do this. You know, I'm probably 17, 18 years old. And uh, then they start climbing on me. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I'm sitting on the floor. One of them climbs over my shoulder. I flip him over and he lands right on his head. And I'm, and he's like screaming, crying. And I'm like looking for the exit. Uh, this is why I don't get around kids. But thank God he worked a change in my heart. But what seemed like just such an insignificant moment was a significant moment that led me to where I'm at today. Because if I didn't answer that call, then I wouldn't have been uh, 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 challenged to take on the role of children's pastor. And if I wasn't a children's pastor, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today, period. That was my equipping. That was my stage. And there's many more other little steps in between there. But I'm trying to help you see today that sometimes it's the thing that we've been resisting that God is trying to get us through to our purpose. It's the thing I, I, I'm trying to break this down for you. And I was uh, asking the Lord, you know, what is the purpose of this series? What are we trying? I always ask the question, why? Because because that's that's life's biggest question is why you can know what you can know when, you can know how, but until you know why, you'll never be fulfilled. People know what to do. They know what to do. I mean, you know what to do tomorrow. You could do what 
with your eyes closed. You know it like the back of your hand. You know when to be there. You know how to get it done. But if you don't remember why you did it or why you got started or why you got married or why you had those kids or why you got that job or why, if you lose the the why behind it, you lose the fulfillment that it brings. And we have a lot of unfulfilled people doing things and they think it's the job that's the problem. No, you just forgot why. You think it's your spouse. It's not your spouse. You forgot why. You got to go back to why. Why is is the biggest question. And when we don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable. You've heard me say that a lot. When you don't know the purpose for something, what it was designed for, what it was created for, how it was designed to operate, that's all wrapped up in its purpose. Advil is designed to to relieve, uh, you know, temporary pain. But if there's ongoing pain or if you uh, take Advil outside of the directions, the purpose for which it was designed, you will abuse it and it will harm you. The very thing that was designed to help you will harm you. And then we blame. You know, you can go all over YouTube and find people that have lost the purpose for a treadmill. And they get harmed. It's designed to help you. It's designed so you can hang your clothes on something when you walk in the house. That's what it's designed for. But people use it to throw it on ten and a half and try to run as fast as they can. And they end up sliding into drywall and knocking holes in the wall and, and burning their, the side of their face up. Why? Because they're not using it for what it was designed to do, how it was designed to function. God's given us the function. He's given us the purpose. We need to discover that. Amen. And so we saw that our purpose is recognized through the monotonous, through the mundane. We saw that many times it's the very thing that we've been resisting that God's trying to use to get us into position so that we can discover our purpose. We saw this, that there was an army of Israelites ready to defeat Goliath and had the training and the know-how to do so, had the skill. But it wasn't a man with training that defeated Goliath. It was a man with purpose. We discovered that people with purpose will always trump people with training. I said people with purpose. See, that's why you can walk in the room unskilled, untrained, not knowing what the heck you're doing. And you can see the problem and you can find the solution. See, people with purpose are not problem finders. They're problem solvers. Anybody can find a problem. Just read the comment section of any political article on Facebook. Anybody can find a problem. I'm looking for someone that can find a solution. God's looking for solution-driven people. And so David walks up to the very opposition that everybody else sees, but he doesn't see opposition. He sees opportunity. And David ends up charging at the very thing that everybody else is backing away from. This is what happens when you discover purpose. God, uh, uh, David was purpose-driven. He was only driven by one thing. And so uh, people with purpose have a different perspective. They see things differently. They don't see something different. They just see it differently. They, he, he saw the same giant everybody else did. He saw the same army everybody else did. And with half the skill and training that they had, said, why aren't we charging after this thing? And he made this statement. He said, is there not a cause is there not a cause now there's so much more that we covered 
It's only 33 minutes, and uh, you, you need to go listen, check it out. Um, if you were here last week, listen to it again. I did, and um, I'm telling you, it, it is worth, uh, this whole series is worth, th- this is our life right here. This is our life. I've given my life and, and, and the life of this church, the existence of this church, to help people discover their purpose in life. Because that's the problem we have today. We don't have an economic issue. We have a purpose issue. We don't have a, a hate issue. We have a purpose issue. Because if you, knew, if you knew purpose, if you knew the purpose your life had, and if you knew the purpose they had, you wouldn't hate anybody. You wouldn't, you wouldn't care about the color of their skin. You wouldn't care about the, what they look like. You wouldn't care about their background or uh, if they're just like you or not. You would say, I'm a man of purpose. You're a person of purpose. Let's help each other discover our purpose. That's what she would say. So it's a purpose issue. First Samuel chapter 16. We're just going to keep diving, digging. I also asked God, I said, why aren't we doing this on Sundays? You know, that's the bigger crowd. And he said, uh, he's not interested in the crowd. He's interested in those that were willing to make an investment. And um, I I see several of you that are here tonight um, that, uh, you know, may not always be able to make it out on a Wednesday. And um, I uh, uh, applaud you and commend you for your effort to be here. Um, I know it's a midweek. I know that, um, you know, our lives are getting more full and more busy. Um, But to be here, uh, you know, I've had people ask me, when are you going to stop doing midweek? Well, I don't do anything unless the Holy Spirit tells me to do number one. Uh, But for me, I just see too much value in getting the word in front of you um, and having this opportunity. And Jesus did not share the secrets of the parables with the multitude. He only shared them with the twelve. You go look at Matthew chapter 13. He gives the parable of the sower to the multitude, thousands of people that followed him. But it was only 12 people that turned around and said, what are you talking about? Everybody else was like, that's a good story. Glad I came out today. But Peter's like, what are you talking about? Seed on soil. What are you talking about? The sower sows. What what is that? talk? What do you mean? And Jesus makes this statement. He says, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To them, it has not. We see Jesus as the inclusive guy, loves everybody, accepts everybody, and he does. But he's also very exclusive. Why did he tell the disciples they could have something the multitude couldn't? He said, you guys have made the effort. You guys have left home, you've left father, you've left mother. You have made the effort, you have shown a hunger and a desire to know more than just the surface stuff. To you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Here's what I was talking about. And he goes on and he explains the parable of the sower. I thank God that those disciples had the audacity to to ask him and to hunger for more. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the explanation of that parable. And so it's all about what are you hungry for? Because when you want it bad enough, you'll do anything to get it. And so uh, I'm thankful that you're here. And I pray that this word blesses you and and helps us discover who we are. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord, that's first Kings. Let me get where I need to be. (laughs) First Kings, first Samuel. Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? 
Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. The, the people uh, of purpose discover that their purpose doesn't come from any other man. It comes from God himself. He's the only one that can give purpose. He's the only one that can assign purpose to an individual. And I'm here to tell you today that your God, your creator, your manufacturer, the one that has designed you and put you on this earth, he has given you a purpose. Whether anybody else ever recognizes it or not, it comes from God. It doesn't come from man. King Saul was chosen by man. So God is is stressing here. I have provided myself a king. You did your job because that's what would happen in 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 first Samuel uh, uh, chapter eight. The people were crying out. We want to be like everybody else. We want a king. We want a king. And 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 God was their king. And even Samuel gets upset because he's the prophet. and He's saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. And he says, don't worry. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But give the people what they want. Tell them what's going to cost them. Tell them what's going what's to be compromised. And see if they still want it. And so Samuel goes and says, look, he's going to take you to war. You know, your, your children, your wives are going to become slaves. You know, you're going to get taxed. I mean, all this stuff's going to happen. We want a king. We want a king. And so they got their king, King Saul. And he did okay to start out. Like most people, we start out great. We don't finish well. And so Saul uh, disobeyed God a few times, going to battle and, and, and following the commands. And so in the previous chapter, in chapter 15, Samuel goes to King Saul uh, and uh, he says, uh, what are you doing, man? This isn't what God told you to do at all. And Saul tried to cover it up. And then eventually uh, Samuel just tells him, look, God's taken the kingdom away from you. It's not yours anymore. God has rejected you as king. He actually tells King Saul, this is pretty rough. He actually tells King Saul, uh, he found someone better than you. Not taller. Not more good looking. Maybe not as skilled and as trained, but he found someone better. Because the only thing that God is demanding is obedience. That's what he's looking for. Who's going to obey me? And as long as this man will obey me and you won't, he's better than you. Those are literally the words right here in, in 1 Samuel uh, 15, verse 28. God has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. That, that's what my Bible says. I don't, I don't ever want to be disqualified from God's purpose and God's assignment in my life. But he's demanding obedience. And so... He says, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. So he shows up in Bethlehem. And um, we move on down to verse six. He shows up at Jesse's house. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab. This is uh, David's oldest brother. Jesse's oldest son and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. 
Why? Because he just looked at the outside stuff. He, he looked at Eliab and he must have had all the characteristics that you would want to look for in a man. He must have had it well together, uh, was probably big, strong, good looking. And uh, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This right here gives us some great insight into what a purpose-filled person looks like, a purpose-driven life looks like. Now, this is not to say uh, that this purpose is only for ugly people or short people or people that don't have any training or skill, obviously. What it's telling us is that God has different indicators than man does. God has different, different qualifiers than man does. And what happens a lot of times is when we think about our purpose, and every single one of you will start processing this, when we think about our purpose, usually the first thing you run to is the thing that you either do or are good at. It's either something that we're already currently doing. Well, it must be. Whether you like it or not, you, you, you have that idea that maybe it's something that I'm doing. Or maybe it's something that you're good at, the thing that you want to glamorize, the thing that you want to work on, the thing that you want to show off. And there's a, there's a difference to discovering the calling that God has on our lives. The calling or the purpose, because God places value on the heart, but man places value on the hand. And by the hand, I mean what you do with your hands, what you do with your life or what you've learned or what you've been trained in, what you're skilled at. That's usually where most people run to. And God gives us gifts and he gives us talents and he gives us abilities. But God is not limiting your purpose to your ability, but he is regulating your purpose by your heart. He won't limit your purpose to your skill and to a gift or a talent, to the thing that we think we want to show off. But he is regulating your anointing. He's regulating your purpose by your heart, what's on the inside. And so, you know, for me as a pastor and a leader, uh, you know, when people want to try to clue me in on their gift or their skill or their purpose, they usually uh, start talking about a gift or a skill that they have. I really like to sing. I really like to play drums or I, I, I've, in, in, in my last church, I helped lead this or I helped do that. And those things are great. I'm not eliminating those. But we have to get beyond that to really discover if you're ready to move into your purpose. Because if you want to limit your purpose to your skill, then it will only ever be as good as the work that you put into it. But if you want to expand in your purpose, then you've got to move to a different layer. It's called the heart. It's called the heart. How do we get to the heart? That's really what this is all about. 
David discovered his purpose not because of a skill or a talent that he had. He discovered his purpose because he had a heart to do anything. And this is what I've this is what I tell leaders all the time. If you won't do everything, you'll end up not doing anything. I said, if you won't do everything, you'll end up not doing anything. You can sing. That's awesome. Uh, Can you help us mop a floor real quick? Because people that are that only uh, uh, relate their anointing to a skill or a gift or a talent will quickly begin to eliminate things that they won't do. Not that they can't do, but that they won't do. Because the, the thing about a talent or a gift, even though they come from God, is if we rely on the talent or gift we'll start to see other assignments and other opportunities as obstacles rather than opportunities. Well, if I do that, that might keep me from being on stage. No, no, no. I'm more interested in your heart. See, this is a platform. Platform just means a raised level. But if you won't do it down here, You won't do it up here. This is just a raised level of the same thing you would do if you were down there. So if I put a guitar on your back, you'd still be able to clean a toilet like you would if you were down here. This is just an elevated position. And this is, you know, I'm giving you a physical literal. But we have all kinds of ideas. We're the ones that categorize what God's looking for. We're the ones that elevate callings above other assignments. We're the ones that say playing on a stage is, is, is elevated or greater than working in the children's. And, and that's not how it works with God. That's not how it works with God. He says, don't look at the physical stature. Don't look at the appearance. The Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance all the stuff we want to show off but the lord looks at the heart so jesse called abinadab i know that's on the the baby list right there for those of you that are looking for baby names abinadab is right there for you and made him pass before samuel and he said neither has the lord chosen this one then jesse made shama If you didn't like Abinadab, there you go, Shama. Pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Samuel's like, I'm starting to see a pattern here. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Many are called, but few are chosen. You want to be chosen. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. You ever notice that people want to identify you by what you do? Oh, and there he is. Not, they, don't call, they don't say, oh, there's David or even Jesse's son. They identify him by his duty. Oh, there he is, keeping the sheep. I mean, you might as well just put it in like parentheses. Oh, and he's keeping the sheep. There he is, doing what he's supposed to be doing. Outcast, 
I mean, we didn't even invite him to the party. I mean, the man of God is showing up. He, he's given a sacrifice. He, he's anointing the next king of Israel. And we didn't even bother to think that number eight could be the one. I mean, it had to happen with one of these first seven because it couldn't possibly be the one keeping the sheep. But this is what I want to tell you. God calls you when you're just doing what you know to do. Not sitting around waiting for God to answer your prayer to, to, to you know, God, just, just give me purpose. I'm not doing anything. I mean, they told us in Bible school, they said it's easier to, to move a, uh, uh, it, it's easier to steer a moving car than it is to steer a parked car. I'm telling you right now, I, I've been out of Bible school now 15 years. Chris, this is 15 years I've, since I graduated. Next month will be 15 years since I graduated from Bible school. I can go back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I can find people that are still sitting there that I graduated with waiting for their calling. I mean, it feels good. It feels good to, to sit in the prayer closet and just cry out to God, but then not actually put your hand to do something. Sometimes I don't think God is looking for the most boisterous. He's looking for the one that's busy. Just work in something. Just do something. When I graduated Bible school, I abruptly had to go back home. I wasn't intending on going back home, but I had to go back home. I'm from the Fort Worth, uh, Texas area. And uh, so I had to go all the way back five hours away uh, to, to Fort Worth, Texas, because my dad, who was serving in the uh, Air Force, uh, got deployed to Afghanistan. We, you know, he was like the low man on the totem pole. Like, you know, we didn't think that was ever happening. But after 9-11, I mean, everybody's going. And so he's got to go. And so I come home to be with my mom and uh uh, wanted to be here during that time. And, and I honestly didn't know what on earth I was doing. In fact, I felt like I was moving backwards, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I had it all played out because I was serving at Rama Bible Church. I was playing drums there. I was in a band, which, you know, I always love doing that kind of stuff. So I'm playing music and, and writing music and, uh, and, and you know, working and, and doing the whole thing, just I felt like this is it. I'm, I'm going to stay here and then God's going to leave me. And so I felt, you know, I was hesitant, but I knew it was more important for me to be home. I was 20 years old. And uh, so uh, I went home and I just went back to my church. And I didn't ask for the highest position. I didn't say, hey, uh, I've got a diploma now. And um, I've had two years of Bible school training. So uh, what you want me to teach, man? I didn't go back to Spencer and do that. I just went back and got doing whatever I could. And when I say doing whatever I could, I literally mean doing whatever I could. I'd show up an hour early and and clean the parking lot and make sure it was ready for, for people to show up. I played drums again and just doing whatever. There's a lot of stuff to do in church. Let me tell you, if you ever got a day off, just come on up. We got a lot going on. There's there's something to do. You 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 know you got an hour, got a couple hours. There's something going on. But you've got something going on in your life. And sometimes it just takes seeing that with a different perspective. But God is calling the ones that are already busy doing something. 
I was telling someone this the other day. I said, God never called. I, I, I never re- went through a transition in my life, like major transitions on my knees. I never did. God, I'm just praying. I know there's a purpose. I know that someone needs me to help in their church. I, I just got busy. And because, see, here's the thing. This is what's so cool. They, they didn't invite him. But they had, it says here, and Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. We will not sit down till he comes here. I want you to know something today. That if you will just get busy doing whatever you can, they will have to send for you. There will come a role and there will come a position where they will say, we can't go anywhere until this person gets here. And you may not even know it, but they're praying you in. You might not be praying yourself in, but someone else is saying, we need someone to fulfill this position. And we don't know who it's going to be and we don't know where it's going to come from. And you're just in the back room, not even paying attention. Not you're just doing whatever you can do, just being obedient with the last thing you were told to do. And now all of a sudden they're sending for you to say, wait a minute, don't. We, we, we need you. And we can't go anywhere until they get here. Send and bring him here. We will not even sit down. The food is getting cold, y'all. And they're having to call someone. The next person going into the palace was out in the pasture. Now, a shepherd is not just sitting out there with the sheep, making sure everything. They are cleaning up poop. Sheep are dumb. They are not smart. I mean, you're having to keep them from running off the side of a cliff. We know that he was having to protect them. And usually the pastor is the thing that we're trying to get out of and the palace is where we're trying to go. And God is trying to God is looking for the ones that are in the pasture. He's not looking for someone that's already in the palace. He's looking for someone that's in the pasture. Why? Because I want someone in the palace that has the heart of a man that's in the pasture. I want the person that's going to be in the palace. To have the heart to be in the pasture. He says, send for him. We will not sit down. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of the brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David. That's the biggest key. You don't want a calling without anointing. You don't want a calling without anointing. Sometimes we get so frustrated because we're trying to produce a calling that we were never anointed to produce. In this world that we live in where uh, uh, it's so easy to compare. So easy to compare. So easy to look across the, the Facebook posts or look across the, the Instagram feeds and, and, and see everybody else's highlight reels and we compare it to our behind the scenes why doesn't my house look like that why don't my kids act like that you should have seen the ruckus it took just to get that to get those kids to smile like that i wish somebody would do that post the picture 
and then behind it, post the video of what it took to get the picture. Because the picture is like, one happy family. But the video was, you better, you better smile. You better, if, I, if you don't smile, kid. There's a picture hanging in my in-law's house right now. <laughs> it, all the kids are sitting out in the grass at the fort in St. Augustine. And they've all got their clothes on that we just bought them like an hour before, you know, brand new outfits. And they're all just sitting out there just smiling. You should have seen my conversation with Camden. If you don't smile in this picture, I'm, I'm dead serious. In fact, if you if they could zoom it up and blow it up, there'd be a tear right here. I'm not even kidding you. Because I stood back there behind the photographer. I said, smile, smile. That's what I was doing. It's Joshua Clay. Joshua Clay's up there. And I'm back there. But that's what we do. We compare our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reels. I mean, I saw a photo the other day and they tried, they tried to make it real. It was a mom sitting on the kitchen floor holding her baby with a bottle. And then there's another child, you know, like kind of going crazy. And, and you knew it was staged. You knew. I said, at least don't take it with the camera that's got like the, the, the lens of, that they would put on like ESPN. Like at least, you know, don't use a DSLR camera, you know, use like your, your phone with like shakiness, like it's crazy, you know. It's not crazy in there. You staged it. Staged chaos. But we all have real chaos. We all have real messes. But we look across and we say, why can't we be like that? And they're looking right back at you saying, why can't I be like that? The stay-at-home mom is saying, man, I wish I could have a job like her and be purposeful. And the one working the job is looking at the stay-at-home mom saying, oh, I wish I could spend time with my kids. And the old man's looking at the young man saying, I wish I could be young again. And the young man's saying, oh, if I could just get to be, you know, as wise as they are. And we, 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 this is the game that we play. And it robs us of our purpose. Because we're chasing someone else's purpose. You don't want a calling without an anointing. Here's another thing. You will be anointed before you are appointed. You will be anointed. This is how God works. He's, he's sly. He's tricky. He will tell you your calling before you're ready for it. But there's another issue. And, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm okay with social media. I, I, I promise I'm not like, you know, boycotting Instagram and Facebook. And, but but we, we have gotten into this culture that demands everything instantly. And I'm going to tell you right now, just like with David, God is calling many of you in obscurity. Nobody even knows the purpose he's placed in your heart except for you. But we want it to be, you know, at the revival meeting with with, you know, 2000 people. And we want this big, you know, uh, famous evangelist to call us out of the audience and bring us down front and lay hands on us. And we fall out and, and the anointing is transferred. And I'm going to transfer. But 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 God is calling more people in the backwoods than he is on the top of the stage. 
He's calling people in their bedrooms. He's calling people at their cubicles. He's calling their people on their drive home, sitting in traffic on their way home from the job that they dread and the, and the traffic that they hate. And God is calling them and saying, I've, give, I've, placed, I've deposited something inside of you. And nobody else knows it except for you. And you don't need to put a Facebook post out about it. And you don't need to do an Instagram uh, story about it and, and glamorize it and let 20 million people know. You just need to know that God dropped it right in here. And then you're going to go right back to your business. But see, we live in this glamour culture where we where as soon as the God drops the calling, we've got to go from the beginning to the end instantly. And you're going to see here that that's not how God works. If this were today, if, and David's 15 years old. 15. 15 years old. King of Israel. You know, he doesn't become king of Israel for another 14 years. I don't know any 15 year old that could wait 14 minutes. Because as soon as Samuel leaves, we'd be saying, so I'm going to hitch a ride with you, bro. You going to the palace? I'm with you. What, what are we doing? Where are we going? We're trying to figure out how we're going to be in the palace. It says here in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Verse 15, Saul's servant said to him, surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you. Watch this to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. We're looking for someone that is talented. Skilled. So there is a value for skill and there is a value for talent. We'll talk about that. Anointing doesn't come on people that don't have the talent to back it up. That means you still have to work. On your skill. You don't come up here if you can't sing. Sorry. God values talent. And he values skill. You know what most of us want? Most of us want to perfect in public what we've never practiced in private. (laughs) We want to get out and show it off and we've never even. You want to write a book, you've never written a note. You want to write a song, you've never sung one. We want, to, we want everything at its finished product. And there's a process to get there. God's dropped the calling in you. He's told you you're going to write songs. He's told you that. But then instantly we start sitting down and then we get frustrated because we abandon the process that reveals our purpose. And God's saying, no, 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 I, I, don't, I don't need you to write songs yet. I'm just saying that's where I'm going to use you. That's the calling. That's the anointing I've placed on your life. So they need someone trained in the, on the harp, and it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. That's a lot of qualifications just to play the harp. 
and the Lord is with him. That's important. Verse 19, therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David. Watch this. Who is with the sheep? He's anointed to be in the palace, but he went right back to the pasture. I mean, most of us look at the anointing and look at the calling as our ticket out of the pasture. Here's the thing. When you don't know the next step, go back to the last one. When you don't know, okay, so you're calling me there, but how do I get from here to there? Go back to where you were. Could you imagine anointing oil, the prophet himself from God comes and anoints you in front of all your brothers, in front of your dad? And you get up with oil still dripping off of your head. And you rock right back out to the sheep where you came from. That's what God's looking for. Had he not been with the sheep, he would have never made it to the palace. And the last point I want to leave you with. And this one. Will sting a little bit, but that's okay. He goes to the palace. He goes to the place God has called him to. But not to do the thing God told him to. He goes to the palace not as a king, but as a servant. To serve the very man he was just anointed To replace. See, as as we go through this, what what I'm seeing is is I'm seeing all the detours. I I see our purpose as as an as an end goal that we're we're trying to get to. And there's this path that gets us there. There are these avenues that you have to take. There are these gateways, these doors that you have to go through. You cannot bypass them. There's no uh, shortcut. There's no way around. And we're living in a day and age where we try to find the shortest possible route to accomplish. And, and, and we want the greatest reward with the smallest investment. And I'm telling you today that God is not sidetracking. God is not eliminating this plan. And so what I see is I see people, it's like you're on a highway to your purpose, and I see people getting off at exits that they think are going to get them there quicker, and they're missing the plan that God has for them. I see these detours show up, and I see these exits on the side that look glamorous and look like it's, if you take this route, it will get you there five minutes faster. And God is saying, no, 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 no. There's a plan that I have for you, and the only way you can get to your purpose is if you go through the process. And I see young people do it. I see older people do it. I see people in transition do it. And I see people that have been doing the same old thing do it. We're, we're missing, the, we're, we're becoming distracted. If they would just stay on the path a little longer. He goes to the palace. I just wonder, do we have people still today in 2018 that would be willing to serve the very person God has told you you're going to replace? 
that would go to a place that God has told you, you're going to run this place, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, and then you're going to show up and God's going to say, all right, I want you to serve. Before you grab the scepter, I want you to grab a serving tray. And not only that, but, but he's serving the man who God has removed his anointing from. And I'm not going to get ahead of myself because this will show up later on in David's life. But you're going to see a, a, a pattern in David's life that is probably one of the, the, the greatest characteristics that people are missing out on today. And it's the, the principle of honor. And I see more people derail their purpose because they don't honor. You'll see later on there were opportunities where he could kill Saul. Easy access. And where most people would take that to backbite, to cut down, to sell someone out that that is already doing wrong. They brought it on themselves. But you, you, you won't take that path and it leads you to your purpose. These are the principles. These are the elements. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. And Jesus took a Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by his son, David, to Saul. David came to Saul, stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. He's serving the very man he's going to replace. Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. And this is the thing is, God will take you down these paths because he's trying to work on something different than you are. We think, okay, God, if you're telling me that I'm called to, to, to minister and to, to preach, that I need to be working on my preaching. And he's saying, no, 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 you will perfect what's in your hand, but I'm trying to perfect what's in your heart. You're working on your skill while God's working on your heart. Because that's more important. That's more important. Because your skill will never take you where your heart can. Your skill, your talent, your gift, your anointing, your calling will never take you where your heart can. And I I, I see people all the time derail and you can see it, man. I mean, the, 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 the talent is dripping off of them. It's just tangible. It's like, man, God is really gift, gifted. That's not just a natural ability. God has gifted you with that. But you can't use them. They have to stay right here. Can't use them. Because of their heart. There's a the heart condition. 